Thank you so much for tuning in. You are listening to the Real Health, Real Talk podcast. My name is Ebony May. I'm a girl in my early 20s, a personal trainer and a soon-to-be nutritionist. I'm extremely passionate about holistic health and inspiring others to live happy and healthy lives. My goal and purpose in life is to encourage girls and women to feel good in and about their bodies. I interview some amazing women and share my own experience and knowledge in some solo episodes. Now, without further ado, let the real talk begin. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Real Health Real Talk podcast. This is an interview between myself and Kirsty, who is a meditation coach. I'm so touched and moved by her story and everything that she says. I sound a tiny bit uninvested or uninterested. I don't do a lot of talking. That is only because I was losing my voice this day. So poor Kirsty had to do a lot of the talking, but I did not mind because she had a lot of important things to say. If you've ever wondered how to meditate, why to meditate and what it takes and what it does for you, then this is the perfect episode for you. Cannot wait for you to listen. Enjoy. Kirsty, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much. Me too. So I was so moved by your story when you reached out and I would just love for you to tell the audience a bit about you and your experience with meditation and then we can get into the practical tips and the nitty gritty of what meditation is and why we should do it and how. Okay, sounds amazing. Um, okay, so my story with meditation sort of probably evolved about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I've got four beautiful, healthy, thriving children um, and my youngest is a cancer survivor twice, so um, she's the gift. And she was initially diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia in 2011. She was 18 months old, mm-hmm. and at the time, the treatment was the cure rate was 95 percent, and we just sort of threw ourselves into going with the flow of you know what we needed to do, just feeling quite secure that. She was going to be cured. Um, I was three months into a um, separation, so I had like just my whole life was chaotic. And looking back, I was just in total autopilot mode, just get through life, do what you've got to do, and you know keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through that treatment really well. She went into remission. She did the whole two years of treatment, which is nine months intense treatment, and then um, the rest is oral chemo at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was quite unremarkable, really. And then, you know, our life sort of just kept moving. I remarried. Um, we just had a beautiful wedding in Bali, and we came back, and I was at a regular checkup, a monthly checkup, and the, there was something wrong with her blood, and they found out that she'd relapsed. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much felt, looking at the blood, that she'd relapsed in the room almost. Um, and so that sort of just knocked the wind out of us. We we were not expecting it. Um, and for that to happen at a regular checkup where they're meant to tell me everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so we were immediately admitted and she started um, a month of intense chemotherapy and she didn't speak to me, she didn't walk, she didn't talk. Um, By this point she was four and it just really had us questioning everything that we were doing. They started to throw around the word of bone marrow transplant because of course the cure rate once you relapse drops dramatically and she developed allergic reaction to one of the chemotherapies and pancreatitis. I went up and 
slept actually on her bed in the children's cancer ward and I was so displaced from my life and I just realised that life is so precious. You know, here we were actually facing loss for the first time and I didn't want to waste any time. I didn't want to be in autopilot. I realised that I needed to sort of snap out of where we were at and I vowed that when she, you know, woke up the next morning that we were going to do a lot of stuff that we could do to support this journey. You know, we weren't just going to go through the motions of treatment. And so Ava came out of intensive care the next morning, back up on the ward, and we started to embrace certain things like meditation. We started to embrace a daily gratitude practice. We started to become really mindful of how we spoke and breathing life into Ava and, you know, putting mantras up and saying healing things to her. And by the March, we went into a um, translate room and we began over six months of isolation. Her translate went amazing. We found an unmatched donor overseas. And we just really made that transplant room our haven and Mm -hmm. we put everything that we could. We had beautiful music and because we just realised that health is way more than just physical. It's your mental and emotional health as well. And so we wanted Ava to be mentally um, healthy as well as physically healthy because the treatment was just takes your body to ground zero. Yeah. But also on top of that, you know, we all needed to be mentally and emotionally healthy so that we could all go through this journey and support her the best that we could. And, you know, my other three kids were so disconnected from all of us and, you know, it was, it was very hard on everybody, of course hardest on Ava, but we all needed those, those anchors. Mm-hmm. And so the gratitude was really powerful in helping us stay in a positive mindset, all of us, And the meditation was powerful in a lot of ways. Um, Mindset and just giving us that sort of way to connect with each other because we would meditate with one another as well. Um, And I always remember when she went down for the radiation and it's quite overwhelming down there and I put her through a meditation before we went under and the technician said, wow, every child needs to learn this. That was just amazing to see her be able to just go from being really stressed out and upset to just calm Mm -hmm. and trusting that everything was going to be okay. So um, we're five years on now, five years post-transplant. She's amazing, thriving, happy, healthy. The whole family's doing well and we're all still meditating strong. (laughs) Wow, it's such an incredible story. It sounds like the second time it was just so deliberate in everything that you were doing. Do you think that was purely just because you were in a different place or had you come across meditation when she was first diagnosed? Yes. So I had dabbled in meditation a few, you know, throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's like a lot of these tools that we might, you know, come into contact with until we really reach sometimes a rock bottom. We don't realise how beneficial they are for us. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'd always loved doing you know, a yoga class for that sort of meditative part at the end, Um, tried it on and off, done a few workshops and classes, but never really embraced it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the second 
time, a relapse really makes you reevaluate your entire life and mm-hmm. look at things totally differently um, because you do realise that life is very fragile. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing was it really made me look at, okay, how do I want this experience to be and, and how do I want this to be? How do I want to move through it? And that's, you know, that night when she was in intensive care, that was just this whole night of me looking inward mm-hmm. and really evaluating a lot of my life to that point and realising how much I'd been in autopilot and that I didn't want to be like that. I just, we didn't know how much time we had and we wanted to think that we had a lot of time and that it was going to go really well, but we didn't want to have regrets. We just... And so that sort of drove that really, that desire to live in the moment and really just be happy with what we had. Yeah. And the, the first time gratitude had played a massive part um, and I'd done sort of light meditations with her when she was getting stressed out, but she was 18 months old. So it was more like think of a nice healing colour and feel it wash over you. Um, so I didn't utilise the tools fully and deeply the mm-hmm. way we did the second time. Yeah. So I don't have children, so I can't even imagine the pain of having a sick child. But unfortunately, it is a reality that quite a lot of people face. If you could, yep. if you could say one piece of advice to those people, what would that be? Well, I think when you're the parent, it's a really difficult journey because you're making decisions about someone else's life yeah. um, and you don't always know if you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You just really hope that you are. And you're trying to look at the bigger picture. Um, And when you have something like childhood cancer, the treatment is so ravaging that it does make you question what you're doing to your child. Um, And, of course, you have a lot of people giving you a lot of opinions as well along the way. And I think the main thing is you've always just got to look at what's right for your child and for you. Make decisions based on what you feel that you're doing and really try to support yourself with a beautiful set of tools and anchors and support network because it takes a village to get through something like this. It really does. Yeah. No, amazing. I think that's beautiful advice. And, yeah, your story really, really touched me. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. (laughs) It's hard to – it's such a huge chunk of our life and and it's hard to – condense it down. Yeah, I imagine it would be. So I want to talk a little bit about meditation specifically now. So I've heard so many times people say, you know, I would love to meditate because it's a bit of a buzzword now. It's quite like trendy, um, but I don't have the time or I don't like sitting still or I don't know where to start. So can you give a little, a few tips about um, creating your own daily practice? Yes. Now, the first thing is we need to remember that just a deep inhale and exhale is a meditation. Mm-hmm. The minute that we just give us give ourselves that pause to bring ourselves fully to this moment, that's a meditation. And I think we overcomplicate the thought of meditation and that's why so many of us don't even give it a try. Yeah. Um, and it really is just as simple as sitting with your breath 
and just slowing those thoughts down and bringing yourself fully to this moment. Mm-hmm. And you don't need any equipment. You don't need any. You don't need anything special. You can do it anywhere at any time. You don't need perfect silence. You just need to be able to give yourself those few moments of inhaling and exhaling. Mm-hmm. And I always say, if you're meditating for five minutes every single day, just giving yourself that moment to sit with the breath, slow the thoughts down, and you do that every single day you are going to see the benefits for your life rather than if you just try once a week to sit for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like going to the gym, training you know, your body. You're going to see those results over time build up. And so just take all the expectations away from it. And even if you just start with three deep mindful breaths, inhaling, feeling the breath in the body, and exhaling, that's a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you've created it for yourself, you've given yourself that pause and that stillness in your life. And where it's powerful is when we do give ourselves just even that small couple of minutes, that's how we choose to change our state and we interrupt that monkey mind because mm-hmm. a lot of us are walking around highly stressed in autopilot. So what happens in autopilot is, the, you know, that monkey mind where those thoughts are going a million miles a minute, they're in control. And so when we interrupt that and actually just bring ourselves to a moment where we actually think about, okay, how do I want to feel rather than being really reactionary? Because at the moment, you know, we we get a thought and we're probably reacting to that thought, feeling maybe angered or stressed out, and then that affects how we communicate with other people. It affects how we talk to ourselves. It affects how we move throughout our day. Mm The minute we keep giving ourselves those moments of stillness where we actually do come in and think, okay, how do I want to think and feel? Where do I want to put my energy and my time? Slowly over time, we build that practice up. That's when we develop more control about creating the life that we want to live. It is so true that I think a lot of people think, if I have to do it, I've got to do it this way. And that way is necessarily, you know, half an hour, morning and night, sitting on a pillow in complete silence, you know, with my legs crossed and I think it's important to um, know that it doesn't have to be like that. Could you maybe touch on a few of the myths and misconceptions that surround meditation? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest one is that you have to be quite monk-like or that you're a hippie, um, that you're very zen, you're up on a mountaintop, there's complete <laughs> silence, uh, exactly like you said, maybe a cushion on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you're, you need to be meditating for hours at a time in order to reach you know, deep stillness and self-awareness and get the benefits. And not at all. You can pretty much wake up, sit yourself up and just give yourself a couple of minutes and you've created a meditation practice. It doesn't have to look or feel a certain way. As I said, you do not need any equipment. That's the beauty of it. It's a tool that every single human has access to that we can use at any time, anywhere. We just need to give ourselves that time. And that's the biggest thing. I think people say, I don't have the time. Everyone has five minutes. It's less than 1% of your day. You can absolutely carve out five minutes as soon as you wake up or five minutes on your lunch break. When you get in the car, before you, you know, put the keys in the ignition or press the start button, just give yourself five minutes there or at the end of the day, right before you go to bed, you've got five minutes. I mean, we can easily find five minutes in our day. Yeah, exactly. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the why. 
why is meditating so good for us? What exactly are like all the benefits? So the great thing about meditation, like you said, it has become a bit of a buzzword lately, but that also means that there's now scientific studies that back how great meditation is for us. Yeah. And so as soon as we sit in a meditation, we are instantly lowering our cortisol and our body's releasing all those feel-good hormones. And if you have ever meditated, you know that you do actually feel great afterwards. And that's why, because your body is responding and it's instantly lowering your stress and your heart rate and bringing your body out of fight or flight mode into that beautiful, gentle rest and recovery mode. And they've done studies of people that have meditated for 20 minutes every single day for eight weeks and it's actually shown in the brain grey matter that the stress area shrank and that the the area that, you know, looks after our compassion actually grew so it actually does change your gray matter in a positive way Um, you become less reactive because it enhances your emotional intelligence and your resilience because as you're giving yourself those moments to sit you actually like I said before you are deciding how you want to feel you know it's empowering you when it comes to your emotions been proven to reduce your stress and anxiety, it improves your focus and mental clarity, it increases your self-awareness, it improves your connection with yourself and other people, it improves your sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I've covered it, covered that's the main thing. Yeah. And that, and of course that's the biggest thing because, you know, studies are showing that over 70% of, percent of us are walking around highly stressed yeah. every single day. And most of us will get up in the morning and our monkey mind is going crazy from the minute we wake up. And that's why you don't remember doing things like having your first cup of coffee or eating your breakfast or driving to work because you're in full autopilot mode. Mm -hmm. And when we're in that mode, what's happening is our subconscious is driving the bus. And that's usually when we're highly stressed. That's all the negative stuff. That's those old stories. That's the victim mentality. That's, you know, that's not who I want to be. That's my old ways and my pain and my trauma and everything that's happened to me and, you know, all the messages that I've seen as a child. And um, So I'm not making decisions from a calm and centered place when I'm in that full stress, autopilot, monkey mind going crazy. Mm-hmm. So when we start to create a a daily practice and we start giving ourselves this space and this stillness and we start to deepen our self-awareness and we really think about how I want to be and how I want to live, slowly over time you start creating that for yourself and you're training your brain to respond rather than react and you start to remember and live fully in that moment of making a cup of tea or coffee eating your breakfast you know you start to do things throughout the day more mindfully and that gives you that presence mm-hmm. and that calmness and you know you, you your stress stays lower for longer and all those feel-good hormones are activated for longer as well mm-hmm. yeah amazing I feel yeah this I feel like you, when you start talking about the benefits there's just there's so many that people don't really um, think about but the fact that there has been able to be studies and science surrounding it is amazing because yes. it's just going to make it even more popular. Yeah, because, I mean, I always knew that I felt better after it. Yeah. 
But I wasn't really sure why. And when you do look at the science of it and see how it's, you know, this simple practice of just being with your body and your breath, all the amazing stuff that it triggers in the brain and the body, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Obviously, meditation has, has given you so much and it's helped you along the way. What would you say the, the biggest thing that meditation has done for you? made me an observer mm-hmm. um, and this is where I found it particularly useful as well after Ava's treatment and she came out of isolation and she started school I was diagnosed with PTSD anxiety related to the treatment mm-hmm. and I found meditation such a powerful tool in allowing me to really sit with all of the stuff that was triggering me and, and making me feel anxious. And that's where I could really heal and grow and yeah. heal my anxiety and, and move beyond it because, you know, it's tough. And, I, and I'm also a big believer of journaling, and I think journaling can be a really powerful tool when you use it with your meditation practice um, because, again, you know, you, you know what it's like when your head feels full? Mm-hmm. And you just can't think clearly. And it's so to get it out on paper sometimes before before you try to sit in meditation, just do a brain dump and write everything down that's taking up space. And then really sit with the meditation and just allow yourself to sit with what what's going on in your head and looking at those thoughts and giving them sort of awareness. It's really powerful because then it's you deciding what you want to hold on to, what you want to let go, what you want to heal. And that's when we move out of judgment and criticism and we really move closer to those deepened compassion and kindness and self-love. And so I think, you know, for me, meditation really tapped me into that self-love and um, wanting to be kinder to myself and wanting to understand myself rather than just going through the motions every single day. Yeah, amazing. Are there particular personality types or people with certain conditions who would particularly benefit from meditation? Well, I think it absolutely benefits every single human because we can all do with lowered stress and deepened self-awareness. You know, that has this ripple effect out on the world. Mm -hmm. Um, The more stressed you are, then the more you definitely should be meditating. (laughs) And that's but it can be hard when you're really stressed or you're feeling really, really anxious. The thought of just even sitting with yourself for a couple of minutes and just breathing is overwhelming and horrible. Yeah. Um, and that's where the journaling can help to just brain dump it out and just give yourself just three deep mindful breaths. Um, I think it, it, it helps everybody and adults and children alike. You know, I, the biggest example that I like to use is, you know, I've got a 15-year-old son and he meditates and he's been meditating since Ava's treatment and he is very aware of his emotions and what that's done for him is it means, you know, he hasn't gone around the house and punched a wall. He knows when he's getting emotions and he sees them for what they are and he's able to, he's really got for 15 an enhanced empathy and an enhanced emotional intelligence. And I think that's such a vital tool for our kids. Yeah. 
to put the tool of meditation in children's hands is so powerful for their development. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like in schools and things like that, we should be really utilising that. Absolutely. Just giving them those tools of being able to understand themselves and to calm themselves. And, and it does have that ripple effect of deepening your connection with other people because when you are caring about, you know, your own self-awareness, you know, you seek to communicate differently. And you probably have more, like you said, it sort of turned you into an observer. If you're not so consumed by these, these rattling thoughts that are constantly going through your mind, then you can, you can come from a, a situation or a standpoint where you can observe others and can be more mindful for others as well. Absolutely. I, I think that is the biggest thing where you are chain, interrupting the narrative that's running through your head mm-hmm. and not taking everything personally and instead observing it and seeing it. You know, a thought is just a thought. Yeah. And, you know, you really do decide then, okay, what do I want to believe? How do I want to communicate? How do I want to respond to this? And it, it does change decisions that you make and how you move through your life. Yeah, 100%, completely. I have so loved talking about meditation. I feel like I could talk about it for days. But I have a few, <laughs> a few quick cues, if that's okay. So just whatever yep. comes to your head first. So if you could introduce one resource into every primary school across the country, what would it be? Definitely mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Teaching them to take the breath and just connecting them to the breath and the body. I think that's such an important tool. And from there, they can begin to understand themselves, relax, and you know, hopefully start a meditation practice. Yeah, amazing. Um, what is your favourite place to meditate? Um, I have a little area in my house um, and I have a little, I have a Buddha and some candles and it's just my little space. That's my favourite place. But the other one would be the beach. Oh, yes. Oh, both of those sound amazing. I love the beach. Yes. Um, What book has had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, probably The Alchemist. Amazing. Well, that is all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else you want to add? that after listening to this that you do take that opportunity to give yourself five minutes just to sit with the breath just to allow yourself to be fully right where you are letting everything go and just allowing yourself to be with the breath and the body and see how you feel after you do that and try to repeat that as often as you can yeah lovely thank you so much for joining us Kirsty, and i hope to hear more from you soon oh thank you ebony Thank you again for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, don't forget to leave me a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to hear or see more from me, follow me on Instagram at Ebony May Health. It means the world that you're tuning in and talk to you in the next episode.